So welcome to episode number 100 of More Than Bread. My name is Dan and I'm your host. I don't know. I feel like I feel like we should celebrate, like we should throw a party and invite everyone who listens, both of you. <laughs> I know there's more than just two of you. Hey, how about in celebration of number 100, send me an email to dan at calvarysc.org and let me know that you're listening. It takes a bit of work to put these together, even though the end product is not all that fancy. But I hope they are of value to you. Sometimes they're even helpful to me, for sure. Reading the scripture myself and listening to it in my ears, well, the word has value, huh? however it gets into our hearts. So here we are, episode number 100, and uh, let's dive in. In this episode, we're in Luke chapter 14, verses 26 through 72. That's a lot of scripture to read. So here we go. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Then they sang a hymn. Now remember, this is last episode. It was Mary anointing Jesus. Jesus is in, in Bethany in this kind of home that was a retreat center. It's kind of a place that he loved to go. It says, then they sang a hymn, they, the, the disciples, and they went out to the Mount of Olives. And on the way, verse 27, Jesus told them, all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you into Galilee and meet you there. Now, let me just stop for a moment and say, even though Jesus kind of continually has these very clear moments where he makes it very clear that he's going to die, they still don't get it. They still don't believe that he's going to die. Um, verse 29, Peter said to him, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times. You'll deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter replied, declared emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I'll never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. They went to the olive grove that was called Gethsemane and my words again, I visited Israel two different times. Gethsemane was one of my favorite places. And, and more than likely, Gethsemane was not just the name of the olive grove. It was, it was, it was almost like a public park. And, and in the park, there's, there's this cave. We went into it. It had a, a, an olive press inside of it way back long ago. And, and we believe that this is where Jesus met with his disciples to do the teaching in John 14 through 17. It was in this place called Gethsemane, this cave. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further, and I would add back into the cave, verse 35, he went on a little further and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. And yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you'll not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayers before. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't know what to say. When he returned to him the third time, he said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But no, the time has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. 
And immediately, even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They'd been set by the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, the elders. The traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You'll know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. Then you can take him away under guard. As soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus. Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Jesus asked them, am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there among you teaching every day. But these things are happening to fulfill what the scriptures say about me. Then all his disciples deserted him and ran away. One young man following behind was clothed only in a long linen shirt. When the mob tried to grab him, he slipped out of his shirt and ran away naked. They took Jesus to the high priest's home where the leading priests, the elders, and the teachers of religious law had gathered. Meanwhile, Peter, my words, at least Peter, the others ran, all of them ran, but but at least Peter followed Jesus at a distance and went right into the high priest's courtyard. There he sat with the guards, warming himself by the fire. Inside, the leading priests and the entire high council of the Jewish people were trying to find evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death, but they couldn't find any. Many false witnesses spoke against him, but they contradicted each other. Finally, some men stood up and gave this false testimony. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days I'll build another made without human hands. But even then, they didn't get their story straight. Then the high priest stood up before the others and asked Jesus, Well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus was silent and he made no reply. Then the high priest asked, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror. And he said, why do we need other witnesses? You've, you've all heard his blasphemy. What's your verdict? Guilty, they all cried. He deserves to die. Then some of them began to spit at him. They blindfolded him and beat him with their fists. Prophesy to us, they jeered. The guards slapped him as they took him away. Meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard below, and one of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself at the fire. She looked at him closely and said, you were one of those with Jesus of Nazareth, but Peter denied it. Verse 68, Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said, and he went out of the entryway. Just then, a rooster crowed. When the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling the others, this man is definitely one of them, but Peter denied it again. A little later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, you you must be one of them because you're a Galilean. Peter swore a curse on me if I'm lying. I, I don't know this man that you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed the second time. And suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind before the rooster crows twice. You'll deny three times that you even know me. And he broke down and wept. Now, this is Peter's greatest failure. He's had a few, but I'm confident if he were here with us today, he would tell you, if I could go back, if I was interviewing him on this podcast, he would say, if I could go back and change just one thing of my whole life, it would be this one thing. I denied that I even knew Jesus three times on the night of his greatest need. 
Uh, up to this point in life, what would you consider your greatest failure? Maybe it's a relationship failure, failure a work failure, a school failure, a moral failure. Maybe it's not just one big failure. Maybe it's just a lifetime of little ones. Think about this. Wouldn't you love <laughs> to have those failures recorded in a book that would become mandatory reading for millions of people over thousands of years? That's what happened to Peter. Now, Peter would recover from his failure. He, he would. We'll see him act with courage, passion, and integrity in the book of Acts. At one point in Acts 4, when the Jewish religious leaders are threatening Peter and his friends, they act with courage. Peter acts with courage. And it says in verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I love that. I mean, do you understand what a compliment that was for Peter? These men were saying, I see Jesus in you. You become just like Jesus. Jesus has rubbed all over you. Some of you, and some of you listening to me right now, there, there's, you, you think there's simply no way that God can do anything of significance through you. You beg off when he extends his, extends his hand of, of partnership because you're just an ordinary person, a common anybody. But, but see, the question is, are you willing to be with Jesus? Because if you are, then sooner or later, you'll overcome your failures and people will see Jesus in you. But there are going to be some failures along the way. You know that, right? Sometimes it seems far easier to miss the mark than it is to leave a mark. Maybe more often we're just stringing together as many ordinary days as possible. And, and I, I don't know, that's why I really like, I, I love Peter's story. If, if Peter was here today, he'd say to you, I, I know that it's not easy. In fact, Peter might say, I, I walked on water. I was, I was in Jesus' inner circle. I, I was bold and strong, or so I thought, but then I missed the mark. And I, I started to wonder if I have what it takes. So Mark chapter 14, Jesus tells Peter he's going to fail, and Peter won't believe him. Not me, Jesus. He's bold in the moment. He's confident of his ability to succeed, to be courageous. He knows how much he loves Jesus. Tonight, Peter, you're going to betray me. Not me, Lord, even if everyone else falls away. Not me. You can count on me even if I have to die. I'll, I'll never betray you. I won't miss the mark. <laughs> Let me say this. We face one of our greatest dangers in life when we begin to believe that we'll never fail. In fact, we would do well to remind ourselves that we have failed and we will miss the mark. In fact, that's a primary metaphor for sin. The Hebrew word kata and the Greek word hamartia, both translated in our Bible, sin literally mean to miss the mark. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, they miss the mark, Paul says in Romans. So this is Peter's story of missing the mark. They go to Gethsemane. Jesus tells Peter, James, and John, my, my soul is filled with sorrow. I think I'm going to die. He asks them to watch while he prays, but all three of them fall asleep. Judas, Judas arrives with his army. Peter cuts off some guy's ear. We, we see that it's Peter in one of the other um, gospels, and, and then he runs. But to his credit, he, he followed at a distance. He followed Jesus to the house of the high priest Caiaphas, and, and there he sits outside in the courtyard warming himself by the fire, trying to look inconspicuous when this wee little serving girl comes up to him. And, and that's his first of three denials. It happened again a second time. He has to remember in that moment what Jesus said, right? And finally, the last time, those standing near said 
to Peter, surely you're one of them. You're a Galilean. He began to call down curses upon himself and he swore to them, I, I don't know this man that you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed the second time. And Peter remembered what Jesus had said and he broke down and he wept. Luke, in his gospel, adds a detail that just kind of grips my heart. He tells us that when the rooster crowed the second time, Jesus turned and looked into the courtyard. This is Jesus looking at Peter, and and I believe Peter looking at Jesus as the rooster crowed. I mean, you talk about being naked in your failure. I mean, can you imagine meeting the eyes of your friend, your leader, the one person in the world you most want to be like, and you don't have it? what it takes to be like him. You, you don't You don't have what it takes. You failed. It, it, it's the unkept promises and the lost life dreams and broken relationships. Have you ever missed the mark? Have you ever made a promise that you didn't keep? Have you ever told a lie, lived a lie? Have you ever had a picture in your mind of how you wanted to be, but you kept missing, you kept missing the goal? Have you ever let the fear of what someone else might think keep you from doing the right thing? Peter missed the mark. And, and then and then Peter wept. That was Thursday night. On Friday, Jesus hung on a cross until that evening when he was laid in a cold stone tomb. And for parts of three days, Peter lived with the fact of his failure. That Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to Peter and the disciples. And, and when, when, when Jesus appeared, the resurrected Jesus, what do you suppose Peter was thinking then? I, I don't know. I, I think at first he's thinking, whoa, I never would have guessed he beat death. I saw him die. Now I see him live. The cross could not defeat him. The tomb could not hold him. He's, he's alive. But then those thoughts were quickly followed by, but it'll never be the same. Why did I say what I said? I, I said I'd give him my life and I couldn't even give him my words. How could he want me to be his disciples now? I can't be like him. Look at his courage. I'm a coward. Look at his passion. I lost heart. Look at his sacrifice. I, I, I ran. I don't have what it takes to follow, to be like Jesus. I don't know for sure, but I think Peter has some version of the this failure is fatal recording playing in his mind. But if you read the rest of the story specifically, go and read John 21 later, then you know that Peter found out that no failures are fatal. With Jesus, no failures are fatal. No failures are fatal. In fact, on a shore in John 21 with breakfast cooking over an open fire, Jesus would look into Peter's eyes again and with deep love ask him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Giving Peter the opportunity to say yes three times. One for each denial. And then Jesus told him, basically, you're still part of my team, Peter. And can I tell you what I believe now? I haven't always believed this, but I've started re-seeing, rethinking the story a few years ago as God was leading Lynn, my wife, through her journey of dealing with shame. She shared something she had heard and was pondering, that perhaps the eyes of Jesus both times. On that shore in John 21, the resurrected Jesus forgiving Peter, that perhaps the eyes of Jesus both times, when the rooster crowed and on that beach, that perhaps the eyes of Jesus looked the same both times. Eyes of love and hope, not disappointment. 
Perhaps in that moment of Peter's three-time failure when the rooster ratted him out and, and Peter and Jesus' eyes met across the courtyard. Perhaps even then, listen to me, perhaps even then Jesus' eyes were eyes of hope, not disappointment. I've always read that story picturing a, a look of intense disappointment that must have crossed Jesus' face as Peter denied him for the third time. But what if Jesus wasn't looking at Peter with disappointment in that moment? What if he was looking at him with delight? What if Jesus was thinking, just hang on, Peter, three days, just hang on on for three days because I'm coming back and I'm going to change your life and together we'll change the world. Listen to me. You have failed. I mean, we've got broken fragments of life all around us. Without Christ, my heart is desperately crippled. I'm not enough, but he is. He heals hearts and he puts the pieces back together again. Sure, you can still see the cracks, but they testify. Every crack in your life and your heart testifies to the love of Jesus, the Jesus who loves us enough to put the pieces back together again. And even now, I can hear him say to you, say to me, don't quit. If you love me, you're still on the team. Your failure is forgiven. There are sights left unseen and moments still to be seized. I'll give you what it takes so that you can become so like me that people can't help but see me in you. Let your tombstone become a stepping stone. Man, he's been there and his arms are still open wide. Let me read Peter's part of that story again, this time reading from the message. Jesus told them, you're all going to feel that your world is falling apart and that it's my fault. There's a scripture that says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. But after I'm raised up, I will go ahead of you, leading the way to Galilee. Peter blurted out, even if everyone else is ashamed of you when things fall to pieces, I won't be. Jesus said, don't be so sure. Today, this very night, in fact, before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times. Peter blustered in protest, even if I have to die with you, I'll never deny you. All the others said the same thing. You know the story. My words, they, they go to Gethsemane and Jesus goes back into that cave to pray and the disciples go to sleep and and they go to sleep and they go to sleep and then Judas the betrayer comes and there's a bit of a scuffle and everyone runs and Jesus is taken to the chief priest for trial. They're at the house of Caiaphas and even though Peter ran with the rest, he followed Jesus there. And now we catch it again in verse 66. While all this was going on, Peter was down in the courtyard. One of the chief priest's servant girls came in and seen Peter warming himself there, looked hard at him and said, you were with the Nazarene Jesus. He denied it. I don't know what you're talking about. He went out on the porch and a rooster crowed. The girl spotted him and began telling the people standing around, he, he's, he's one of them. He, he denied it again. In a little while, the, the bystanders brought it up again. You've got to be one of them. You've got Galilean written all over you. Now Peter got really nervous and swore, I never laid eyes on this man you're talking about. Just then the rooster crowed a second time. Peter remembered how Jesus had said before rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times. And he collapsed in tears. Jesus, you know every failure, every denial, Every time we've turned away from you, every time we failed to do what we promised to do, you know. You know every time we failed a loved one. You know every time we failed a friend. You know every act of betrayal and disloyalty. You know all the times when we've missed the mark. 
(laughs) And yet I'm convinced you look at us with eyes of delight. Holy Spirit, would you... Would you minister that to each and every person listening, that that we would would see it. We would see the delight in your eyes, not the disappointment. We we can't disappoint you because you you know everything that we're ever going to do. It's not a matter of not living up to your expectations because you know, you know, you know our failures. You know our brokenness. And yet you you still followed through with the love burst of the cross. Jesus, we give our hearts to you. We give our failures to you. We ask that you would redeem them, that you would redeem us. We thank you for letting us be on your team. And we ask that like Peter, you would hear us say again and again, Jesus, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.